How cold is this morning? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan of the cold. Bethany loves the cold. Me, not me. No, I'm, I'd rather hibernate through it, personally. Not exit the house for, for at least three months of the year, but... Uh, but no, that's not possible. Hey, we're going to continue our series. Well, we started last week. Who, who remembers what we started? Crazy Church, right? We're, we're looking at the church of Corinth. Now, um, when the Apostle Paul wrote uh, the letter to the Corinthians, I imagine that they would have had someone stand up the front and read the whole letter, Okay. Now, we're not going to read the whole letter because that's 16 chapters and we're going to be here all day. But we're going to read a passage that we are going to cover uh, today. So I'm going to, rather than you listening to my voice for, I don't know, a few minutes, I'm going to invite a couple of our facilitators up to read this uh, for you. So let's, let's take it in and then we're going to go through the scripture. Come on up, guys. Thanks. I don't know about our voice uh, better than yours, Kim, but, you know, we'll give it a go. <laughs> okay, so we're starting off on 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and starting off on v- in verse 20. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? F- for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him... God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, but many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, and that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it, is, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I come to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with the wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Thanks, Katie. Continuing on. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, 
but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person within the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not worldly. Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, amen. Father, we come before you and we, are, we thank you for your word. We seek to understand it, Father. We ask for your Holy Spirit to illuminate this word into our hearts that we may be transformed and we may be new in mind and new in heart. That we may know the heart of God and that we may run after it. We thank you for your forgiveness, your saving power, and your redemption. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said. <clears throat> All right. Crazy church. <clears throat> we're calling it that because um, the Corinthians, man, they were, they were an interesting group of people. Now, we're finishing up the first part of Corinthians today. Um, and... In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a couple of weeks break. I'm not preaching for the next couple of weeks. And then after that, we're going to go into um, the next part of Corinthians, which I'm warning you about now, which is about sex and sexuality. So please pray for me. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to let you know. Uh, I'm going to remind you in a couple of weeks' time. Your kids need to be signed in for that part, okay, into kids' church. Like the last thing I want is to create an awkward conversation around the table. Okay, <laughs> that could be fun for you. But at the same time, I want to say, if you got high school students, you want them to be here. You want them to be here. You want them to hear the Word of God because we're going in a very different direction um, as a community, as a society, than what the Word of God would have us go. Corinth was a strategic city. 
It was in between Rome and the east. And so it was a port of commerce. It was the place you needed to go if you needed to trade. You needed to go through this place. So it was a very important city. It was intellectually proud. It was morally, materially rather affluent, and it was morally corrupt. Such an environment were where people would go to indulge themselves. It was the metropolis. It was the city center. It was the cultural center. If you wanted to make it, you want to current. You want to, uh, you know, and ex- go and experience the world as a young person. You'd go to Corinth. You had something to offer. You want to make something of yourself, go up in the world, become famous, build yourself into an empire. You went to Corinth. And with that sort of mentality came a whole bunch of decadence. And in the middle of that, the Apostle Paul plants a church. He comes and he gives the, the gospel. He declares the gospel and people come into the church and they are saved. It's like, it's like planting a church in hell. Like it's, it's, the, it's, it's the epitome of all that Greek culture. And we'll talk a little bit more about Greek culture in weeks to come, but it wasn't pretty. Even when you look at the moral standards of our culture today and you think, oh, that's pretty bad. You have no idea what the Romans were like, what the Greeks were like. I mean, you read some of those history books, they make you blush. And you, you, you could, and the church is saved out of this. And we talked about this last week, that sometimes we, we look at a church and we think more about the church in Jerusalem that had the Jewish traditional background and then found their freedom in Christ and were a solid church following the laws and the precepts of the Old Testament. And then we look at the church in Corinth that came from pagan religions, ritualized sex, and all that sort of thing. And they come into a church, and you have this group of people that are in Christ Jesus, but are not yet mature because they're not walking by the Spirit. They're not grown in Jesus Christ, and they're doing all sorts of crazy things. And Paul, he is about this. Someone tells him, someone writes him a letter and goes, we're concerned that there's, there's this, all this stuff going on in this church. And Paul writes this letter in reply to all that stuff. Now, last week we, de- we dealt with the first problem. Paul is just dealing pr- after problem after problem. So everything that is good and given to them by God, every good gift, the Corinthian church make it into a, a path of either one-upmanship or a point of contention, communion, sexuality, leaders in the church, the resurrection, everything is happening. And Paul addresses all of this. And last week we looked at the problem of division over people following different leaders. I follow Paulus. I follow Peter. I follow Cephas. Who's Apollos? No, sorry, who's Cephas? Who's Peter? I'm getting all mixed up. You know, whatever. They were following different leaders, right? And, and, and Paul is saying, the problem with all of this is a spiritual problem. The problems that you're facing is a spiritual problem. Now, we're going to go and break that down. We just mentioned that. And we skipped past a fair few things last week because there's just so much. But Paul's big diagnosis, what we're going to find here, 
is that the problems that people face are spiritual problems where we go and lean towards our appetites and the worldly way of thinking as opposed to life in the spirit and godly wisdom. Now, there are some things that happen to us, tragedies that happen to the human race, which, you know, we live in a fallen world, for example, you know, can't blame anyone for an earthquake. That happens. But for the most part, there are things and there are pain that is caused in human hearts and human lives that are caused by us walking in accordance with our appetites. Greed, envy, lust. When people walk in according with that, we hurt people. And so Paul is dealing with this church that is very, very immature. And he's calling them back into walking in the spirit and growing in maturity. In verse 20, chapter 1, verse 20 to 21, we just read, Paul say, where's the, where's the wise person? Where's the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You know, there's a, there's a lot of wisdom in our world. <clears throat> a lot of it's not bad. A lot of it is, but a lot of it is just helpful. Like, as you grow and live, you have experiences, and that teaches you things, doesn't it? If you were a farmer, and you plowed the field, and you plowed it in a zigzag, and you realized that that wasn't a good idea, and you're better off plowing it in straight lines, you're going to get more produce. Through experience, you develop wisdom. And you may pass that wisdom on to the next generation. Like that, there have been people throughout history that have sought wisdom and passed it on to the next generation. They've written books. We hear my growing wisdom through our experiences. Some of us may listen to TED Talks to grow in wisdom. Some of us might read books. Some of us will re- listen to clips and podcasts some of us will go to tiktok and that's why some of us will be stupider than others (laughs) because there are places that you go for wisdom and there are places that you should not take their perspective no the reason why i use tiktok before i get sued by some company watching online um is i watched a clip on youtube which is perfectly holy Uh, youtube look great great platform no um And he was talking about some of the advice that, you know, these young people are giving about relationships and stuff on TikTok. And I'm like, these poor kids. Advice about gender and sexuality and, you know, watch, like, what you're looking at, what your kids are looking at. And there's stuff that's going into them that they think, oh, this makes perfect sense. I'm not against TikTok. I'm I'm not signed up, but, you know, I'm on most of the other social platforms. But, you know... I'm just, I'm just trying to make a point that we're, 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 we are taking in ideas. We're taking in stuff. And Paul, Paul says, where's the wise man? Where's the, law, the, the teacher of the law? Where's the philosopher of this age? There have been people that have gr- been growing knowledge over many hundreds of years. Doctors and politicians and economists. People build things and scientists. There's a lot of great wisdom. The philosophers... 
You've heard of Plato and Socrates and Aristotle. These were guys that were asking the deep questions, why are we here? What's the purpose of life? How can we make things better for people? This is good. This is good thinking. This is good philosophy. But it's not enough. Some get a degree, some do a master, some do a doctorate, a PhD, which is a doctor of philosophy, which pushes further than the bounds of previous research. Now, why am I telling you all of this? Because all of this is good. A lot of it is, is, is just stupid, to be perfectly honest, but most of it is really good. But here's the thing. Paul tells us the wisdom we gain through life is valuable, but it's not enough. It's valuable. He says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of the age? Has God not made the foolish, has God not made the foolish, foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the world, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Paul is saying all the wisdom of the world is foolishness in comparison to the revelation through Jesus Christ. Verse 30, chapter 1, verse 30. It is because of him that you are in Jesus Christ who has become for us the wisdom of God. So what we have is good. The world, what the world have is valuable, some of it. But what the, the godly wisdom that is available through Jesus Christ is like barista-made coffee as opposed to Nescafe, Nescafe Blend 43. You know what I'm talking about. There's so much more for us to have. And Paul's trying to make this point to the Corinthians there's a deeper level of understanding of the world than what has been put forward. Last week we talked about a statement that I heard from a lecturer who said, um, a Jewish or Christian child has more psychological sophistication to deal with the tragedies of life than an atheist university professor. Like, what, what do we mean by that? That means that if you're over here and you have all this wisdom, but you don't believe in God. You're, you're, in fact, an atheist. You're a secular person, which means I don't believe. And um, you're, you're a humanist, like, which means that you want human flourishing. You want the best for people. Yes, atheists are good, can be certainly good and moral people. Oh, we'll talk about that at a different time. They're not necessarily logically coherent in their perspective, but we won't go down that rabbit hole. Okay. Um, but you're over here, but you have, you're well-versed in the philosophy of this world. But there is no perspective. There's no understanding. There's no concept of the resurrection. There's nothing after death. There's no concept of sin and evil. There's no concept of redemption and hope. There's no concept of destiny. You can't because, well, when you die, you're dead. There's nothing else. And what hope do you have in that? What hope can you give someone? Except that, oh, I hope it doesn't happen to you. But a 
Jewish or a Christian child, right from the stories of Daniel in the lion's den, they understand that there is bad, pe bad people, bad things in this world. Bad things happen to good people. Through the story of Jesus and, and his resurrection, they understand that there's a life to come, that there is hope. And there is destiny and there is redemption. And all these things create wisdom and understanding in the heart of a child that is far beyond all the wisdom of the world. And it's found in Christ Jesus. Have you ever met someone who is old and doesn't know how to use a laptop? pretty bumpy around technology but they can look deep into your soul with discernment and speak into your heart and can bring peace bring direction that's the work of the Holy Spirit and Paul is saying to these people in Corinth not many of you were wise even by the standards of this world not many of you were noble in birth not many of you had all that. Some of you did. But all of that is stupid in comparison to the gift that you have in Christ Jesus. Godly wisdom. Okay, so this is his argument here. And then in chapter 2, verse 6, he changes, he changes tact and, and he says, in, We do not, however, speak a message of of wisdom among the, sorry, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. No, we take, we declare God's wisdom. This is ver, uh, chapter two, verse six and seven. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden. And that God destined for our glory before time began. None of, this, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. And verse 10, I think it's a, it's a real clincher in verse 10. These are the things God has revealed to us by his, by his spirit. By his spirit. So here we have the Corinthians. We have the Corinthians that are doing stupid things, all right? <clears throat> Particularly Paul right now is talking about division in the church because one's gone, I like, I like Peter and I like Paul and this is my favorite worship leader and this is my favorite teacher and I'm not for, and all, and it's causing division because they're like, my, my guy's better than your guy. Right, and we talked about the 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 uh, the problem with status, and when people are trying to get one up on the other and be part of the in group and there's and factions. We talked about that last week, and Paul is saying, "You're not mature yet. You're walking in the wisdom of the world, if you have any at all. You're not mature, and how do we get that godly wisdom?" Is by walking in the spirit. It's by the spiritual, the, 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 
The wisdom of God is discerned as a spiritual wisdom. Chapter 12, or verse 12, chapter 2, verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not with words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with spirit-thought words, the person without the Spirit does not understand or does not accept does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Okay, so what we have here is we have this great, great group of people that have come into Christ. And they're not walking in the Spirit. Therefore, they're not growing in the Spirit. They're not, they're not growing in maturity. They're not growing in godly wisdom. And the result of that is a whole bunch of problems. In their lives, in their personal lives, in their family, in their churches, in their communities, they're not being the salt of the word. They are the problem. They, they, they're the problem that Paul is trying to address. So they can be the light and they can be the salt. Have you, there's been a bit in the news uh, lately about the U.S. running out of um, baby formula of all things. Have you heard about that? I mean, that, that's a real problem. And why is that a problem? Because babies at this very important stage, the stage of development, need certain nourishment so they can develop in the right way. And so obviously this is a very, this is a very big concern, especially to parents. Now, Paul in chapter 3, it says, Brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk and not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For one says, I follow Paul, and the other, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? That's the diagnosis. The problem that's, that, that you are facing as this church, this crazy church, is that you're not walking in the Spirit. So the question is, is what does it mean to actually walk in the Spirit? Is that a good question? Because if we walk in the Spirit, we're going to grow in godly knowledge. We're not going to be facing some of these issues that we have in our lives that we carry around. Now, in another book, a book to the Galatian, Paul breaks down what it looks like to walk in the flesh and what it looks like to walk in the spirit. I'm just going to read it to you. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, rampant in, in the Corinthian church. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. I'm going to put myself above you. I'm going to climb the ladder to the top. It's about me highlighting myself to my gifts, and I don't really care what it does to you. Dissension, which is division. Factions, different groups. Do we see all this in the Corinthian church? 
envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know when Jesus says um, to be, uh, to, to come to the kingdom of God, you need to be like a little child? You know, you know he says that? And, and then you have a little child and you're like, well, they're messy. They need to learn how to control their own emotions. They're impulsive. What a part of a little child do I need to become to get into the kingdom of God? Is that a fair question? You know, Bethany and I, all, all, like, well, all, with all three of our sons, we were just amazed at their ability to learn and to, and to absorb information. You know, they, they, like Luke, uh, Nikolai is only not even two yet. And he's stringing together like simple sentences, like, you know, simple, you know, just, but, you know, he'll, just everything that we do, he just absorbs. Like, Bethany will be like, Kim, uh, we got to get going. And he'll, he'll run to the room and get, Kim, going, you know. <laughs> I'm like, it's dad to you, you know. But there are certain things that we say, like certain turns of phrases and uh, certain things that we do that he just, like, we know. He's learned from us because, you know, he's not getting it anywhere else. And he just absorbs information from here. His brother, because he's got two older brothers as well, he, 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 just, he just accepts that he looks and he sees and he, he kind of accepts that this is the way things are and this is the way to act. And he absorbs this information. And he learns and he grows so quickly. It's quite amazing. He's a little human being, and all, all of a sudden, he's like, he's not even two years old, and he has an opinion. It's like, what in the world? You know, he doesn't want to sit in his chair. He wants to go over there and eat his dinner, you know? No, he cannot. He's in there. And I wonder if this is something that is, is Jesus is pointing out, the ability of a child, okay, through faith in their parents, because this is their world, to absorb information and grow. And unless we become like a little child in walking in the Spirit, receiving that pure spiritual milk, which is the Word of Jesus Christ, can we actually develop and grow as mature human beings, Christian human beings? Otherwise, we will be surrounded by the wisdom of the world, not walking by the Spirit and acting like the world while being in the church. And the challenge from Paul to the Corinthian church and to us is, are you walking in the Spirit? Are you growing in maturity? Are you growing in godly wisdom? That is his challenge to us. It's a good challenge, right? And it's a good thing for us to ask ourselves. Because I don't think maturity is a state where like, oh yeah, I'm mature now. I'm mature not going to grow anymore, not going to be, 
Like, you know, I'm past the point of growing, like, physically. No, apparently now I'm shrinking, unfortunately. But, um, but we're always going to be growing mentally, growing in our personality and our character until the day we die. Now, Paul talks about as, 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 the, as the body is being, fading away, the internal, the eternal work of Jesus Christ, the, 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 your spirit is being renewed day by day, is going stronger. So is, is, this, is this maturity a continuing, continuing work of God? Are we growing continually? This is a good question to ask. We need to be asking ourselves that. So I've got a couple of things that, as I read through Corinthians and through the Bible in general, that I feel is really uh, is food for growth. Because the diagnosis here is that much of the problems that we have in our families and in our communities and, and in our world, in fact, is not outside of our control. It's actually internal. It's the stuff that God wants to deal with through the work of His Spirit so He can change us, transform our families, transform our communities, and transform the world. Everyone likes to point to somewhere else and some policy and, and all that, you know, Essentially, you can get the policy right, you can get your economy right, you can get the, the right technology and everything. That's not going to solve the world's problems because the world's problems is us. <laughs> it's us. It's the human heart. It's sinfulness. And so Paul is dealing with that to change the outcome of how the church is interacting Together. So uh, I've got, I got a couple of things I want to put, put to you about four points to grow and to walk in the Spirit. Number one, I think it's really important to acknowledge the Spirit, the Spirit work in our life. The Spirit's work in our life. Chapter, two, uh, chapter 2, verse 12 says, We have received uh, what we have received is not from the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God. Verse 14, the spirit without this, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. If you are in Christ, you have the spirit of God within you. And we need to acknowledge that the spirit of God within us is leading us. Some people, the, the Corinthians, we talked about this last week. God is doing a lot of stuff. God has saved them, brought them into, Paul acknowledges that they are they're going to be held by God firm into the future. Everything, they are Christians, but they're really immature because they don't know yet. And Paul is explaining to them, you have the Spirit of God in you. You need to acknowledge that. Each one of us as Christians, if we are Christians, has the Spirit of God within our hearts to lead us and to guide us. And we need to acknowledge that. The second point I want to say is we need to acknowledge sin. Because the Spirit will point out sin. Now, sin is just missing the mark that God has for us. Sin is acting in the flesh and acting in our appetites as opposed to acting in, in, in the Spirit, living in a way that God has called us to. Now, here, here's something that I, that's really important, really, really important. The most dangerous thing that we could do is justify our sin. The most dangerous thing I believe that you could do is justify our sin. So Paul, Paul talks about, he goes, the, 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 the acts of the flesh are obvious. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. The acts of, 
sexual immorality. Well, oh, you know, the world's moved on. It's, it's the modern world. It's, it's different now. Let's not do that. Let's not justify the way we live when God has given us a blueprint. Impurity, debauchery, adult, you know, discard jealousy, selfish ambition, dissension, faction. Look, it's not that bad. It's not like murder. It's not like sleeping around. Let, let's not justify our sin. Let's just call it what it is and take it before God because it's the Holy Spirit that's nudging us in our hearts. And it's, da- it's a dangerous thing to go, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm, I'm going mm, to let my conscience be seared. I'm going I'm to go my own way. It's a dangerous thing to justify the issues that we face, like fits of rage. But you have no idea how infuriating she is. If she, if he wasn't like that, I wouldn't react like that. That's just justifying what the Bible calls sin. Drunkenness. Oh, you know, well, there's, there's a pretty blurry line there, and it's somewhere between 2 and 20 drinks, and I'm not quite sure where it is. You know, work that out. The Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart saying you need to sort something out. There's something going on here. Don't ignore it. We need to acknowledge sin. Number three, I, I think we need, to, we need to feed what we want to grow stronger. When I, was, um, when I was doing a night course in Bible college, my lecturer gave us this story. He used it many times. I heard him uh, say it many times. And he talked about a, a, a owner of two dogs, a black dog and a white dog. And they would be fighting dogs. Now, I'm not suggesting that you do this or that this is just a story, okay? All right, don't call the authorities and RSPCA on me. Okay, it's just a story. And he would fight these dogs, and, and he would always be able to predict which dog would win, right? And so you never gamble, but he knew who was going to win, right? And he'd always come up. And one day his close friend, one of his close friends just asked him, look, how do you know? How do you pick it every single time? He goes, I'll tell you how. The week leading up to the fight, I only feed the dog that I want to win, and I starve the other one. We want to grow in the spirit. What are we feeding ourselves with? Like, you you want to bring up your kids with the right view of morality? Perhaps watching Big Brother is not the show. (laughs) Perhaps. I actually don't have much Big Brother, but it had a reputation, right? And, you know, all those other shows like it, which are a lot of them. And, like, what, what, are, we, what are we feeding ourselves with? What are we watching? What, what are our kids watching? What, you know, what are they watching on TikTok and YouTube and so on? What are we feeding ourselves with? What are we surrounding ourselves with? Because what we feed will go stronger. And Paul looks at the problems, this division of the church, right? And he doesn't go, okay, let's, let's sit down. What's your point? And what's your point? And why do you like Cephas? And why do you like me? And why do you like Apollo? And why are you following? Like he goes to the heart of the problem. He goes, no, no, no. You're missing the point entirely. You're immature. There's immaturity in your life because you're not walking in the spirit. You're not growing in godly wisdom. And therefore you have all these problems. 
And as Christians, we need to go down to the core of what's going on in our lives. I'm not saying don't go to counseling. Absolutely. We all need to go to counseling. We all should. Right? We need to do a, a check on our relationships. We need to get um, professional advice and so on. We need to do all of that. But if you don't sort out the root issue, which is a spiritual issue, maturity and growing in God and working out the fits of anger and, you know, the, the lust and the envy and the one-upmanship, all that stuff that philosophy actually doesn't solve. It points it out. And it gives opportunities to restrict it. If we have, we restrict power by having a good economic, by having a good political system. We have an economic system to try and balance things out. So the the uh, so, and a taxation system. So so that the the rich don't oppress the poor. And we do we do the best we can, but ultimately it's the heart of a human being which needs to change, and that's the work that only comes through the work of Jesus Christ on the on the cross. And that's the gift of the gospel, the transformation of our. We don't need to be wise. We don't need to be noble. We don't need to be born that way. We don't, you know, we could be ignorant of the understanding of the world, not, which is not all bad. And I'm not saying, don't, I've got my degree as well, okay? But are we growing in the understanding and the knowledge of the Spirit of God, which is the deepest form of wisdom that has been given to us? deepest form of understanding that we may change, that we may have a different family, a different church, and a different community. As we end this morning, <clears throat> as we finish up, let's go to the gospel. The gospel is simple. It's, some, it's the same thing that we tell our kids upstairs. It's the fact that none of us are perfect. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. And especially when you read something like what Paul told to the Galatians and you look at it. And then Jesus says, you've heard it said, commit adultery, don't commit adultery. I say if you look at a woman with lust, if you hate your brother, and he just ramps it up. We've all sinned. We all know that. We all get it wrong regularly. But here's the gift of Jesus Christ. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. There is the freedom of God that is given to each and every one of us through the work of Jesus Christ, repenting from our sin, turning away from it, looking to Jesus Christ for our redemption, accepting Him as our Lord and Savior, Walking in His Spirit so that we may grow in maturity. And having that maturity transform our families, transform our communities, transform our church, and ultimately transform the world. This is the power of the gospel that Jesus calls us to, to live it, to live it. I'm going to get our music team to come up here. We're going to sing together, as we always do, at the end of our service. <clears throat> I want you to take a moment. Maybe God has pointed something in your heart and in your life. He placed your finger on something. It's just right there. This. <clears throat> Don't ignore it. It's what the Spirit is doing. 
Let's not ignore it. God is trying to bring you, all of us, into maturity. Maybe there's something particular in your heart and in your life that you know God has been pulling at for a little while. This is an opportunity to lay it down. Just between you and Him. Let's stand together.
our shortcomings nailed to the cross and we bear it to no more and we bless you and we thank you for this and this morning is, is a time of celebration it's also a time of reflection a time where you can speak and we can learn and we can grow a time to read the apostles teachings speak to your people, that in our time, our quiet time of devotion, that we would be reminded of things that the Holy Spirit said this morning to each and every one of us, that we would walk in the Spirit, that we would grow, and we ask all of this in the name of your precious Son, Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Church. If you need prayer for anything, we have a trusted group of people that will be ready to pray with you. Please don't leave this place without being prayed for if you need prayer. For the rest of us, why don't you catch up, grab a coffee.